Well, as I said just a few minutes ago, we are in process this morning of, of kicking off a brand new, actually I guess we're not in process anymore, we are now officially kicking off a, um, a brand new sermon series uh, with the idea of connected, right? Saying we were never, ever meant to walk alone. That, 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 this, that this journey that we're on, first of all, maybe we need to realize that it's a journey, and secondly, we need to realize that, that it's not something that we're supposed to walk alone. And so we're using we're using First and Second Timothy. Over the next three weeks, we'll be looking at some specific passages in, in Paul's letters to Timothy saying, what does it look like, right? As Paul is now kind of getting ready to send or like equipping Timothy to serve well, to lead healthy Christian communities, to lead groups of people that aren't just connected out of relationship, but are connected through Jesus Christ to say, this is what it looks like to, to lead and to be part of a healthy Christian community. And so this morning, we're starting with this idea of, of our stories, right? Because Paul, it's, it's a beautiful way that Paul starts in 1 Timothy as he begins to, to talk to, to Timothy about what it looks like to lead well. He starts first with vulnerability, right? He starts first with saying, let me help you understand what my story has looked like. And so we're going to spend time looking this morning, kind of building a foundation for the rest of this series by simply saying that, that our stories have power, right? That our stories have power. They have power to inspire us. They have power to inspire others around us that, that there are things that we have walked through that maybe we could never have imagined before we actually got through them that we would ever be able to get through them, right? There are moments in life, there are, there are moments and chapters in our stories where we say, I would rather never have to walk through that. I would never see that coming. And if I, if I had to experience that, I'm not sure I could actually make it through that. And what we're going to see is we start talking about that, we have the power to... Our stories have power because we can look back at those moments and we can be inspired or we can be inspired by other people walking through those kinds of moments or, or our stories have power uh, to hold us back, right? Because we have a past, right? Our stories are, are, the, are the record of kind of the, the journey that we've been up, on up to this point. And so we have, our stories have power. They have power to inspire us. They have power to inspire people around us as they, as they begin to get a better glimpse. I've actually had multiple conversations in this past week where the idea of story, or the idea, well, this is where I'm coming from, right? Like being able to say that, um, well, I can't understand exactly what you've experienced, right? I, can't, I haven't walked in your shoes specifically, but I have been in similar kinds of situations. Or let me share my story with you a little bit to help you understand that, that life hasn't always looked exactly like it looks now for us. So our stories have power to inspire, and they have, they have the power to hold us back. Sometimes, Sometimes the things that we walk through, sometimes the things that we go through, sometimes the, 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 the chapters in our stories, or maybe sometimes it's just a really loaded, simple sentence in our story, has the power to hold us back, to, to make us think that, that maybe that, that God wouldn't want to call us forward, right? That, that maybe because that part of our story didn't go all that well, that, that maybe the next part of our story isn't going to go all that well. And so in some ways, we, we kind of take these moments in our lives, we take these moments in our stories, and we, we hold them up in front of God saying, God, this is why maybe I can't trust you, or maybe this is why you couldn't use me, or maybe this is why, you know, I hear you telling me to do something, or I hear you calling me forward, and I'm, I'm not sure I can do that. And we take these these chapters and these moments in our stories, and we say, God, this is why I don't, I'm not sure you can do what it seems like you might want to do. Our stories have power. They have the power to inspire, and they have the power to hold us back. So the question that, that can, will be like the pervasive question of this morning is, what are we going to do with our stories? Right? What are we going to do with our stories? So we're spending time this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 12 to 17. So these five verses 
And again, this is Paul investing in Timothy, this, this young leader saying, this is, this is how you lead, right? This is how you lead well. This is how you kind of leverage your story and leverage your experience to, to, to help other people grow. This is Paul as he's beginning to, to invest in Timothy in this specific kind of way, giving Timothy this guidebook of what, what healthy leadership looks like, what, what healthy Christian leadership looks like. Paul begins, Paul begins with his story. Right? And you think sometimes, I think if, if, if you have a leader that's, that's trying to help someone else kind of see what the way forward is, it's, there's this real temptation to say, well, let me kind of like gloss over pieces. Let me, let me make sure that, that as I'm telling my story, I make sure that I, that I still end up the hero, right? That I still end up looking pretty good through this process that, that, yeah, it was tough, but man, I pulled myself through and wow, you should have seen how I handled that situation. And that's what leadership is, right? Just kind of like toughening it out and working through the difficult things. But Paul, as he begins to talk to Timothy, as he begins to, to, to push Timothy forward and to help Timothy see where, where, what life could look like, Paul starts with his story. And he starts with an authentic version, right? A vulnerable kind of story, the, kind of, the, the way of telling a story that, that he's, he's taking a risk in some ways and sharing with Timothy or reminding Timothy of what's happening. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting verse 12, Paul says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. This passage, verses 12 to 17, it's it's bookended. We'll see it's bookended by gratitude. This is Paul as he begins to talk about his stories. He begins to think about his stories. He begins to now open up and share in a really vulnerable kind of way with Timothy. There's this bookend of gratitude. It's as if Paul, as he's starting to think about his stories, it moves into this particular section that, that Paul is thinking about what he's talking about, right? That it's, it's this vulnerable moment that he's beginning to share his story, and it starts as he begins to put pen, put pen to page and, and, and begins to write this, that it starts with this idea of gratitude, saying, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who gave me strength. Right, that he considered me trustworthy, he appointed me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. This beginning of this passage sets the tone, first of all, that, that God saw something in Paul before it was yet true of Paul, right? at least in, in that moment, that, that God saw in Paul something worth investing in. Right, and pointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, that, that God met Paul right in the midst of, of what the second half of that, of that particular verse is, is talking about. But this passage sets the tone, this, these verses set the tone that, that our stories matter, right? that we're not always the heroes in the stories. Usually we're not the heroes in the stories. And that Paul is then kind of investing not just his story into Timothy, but investing this idea of vulnerability. This idea of saying, look, to, to, to help others see what God is capable of doing, to help others begin to imagine that God could do in them something that they could never imagine before. Maybe they need to see it. Maybe they need to hear it. Maybe they need to see your story. And that requires vulnerability. And Paul continuing in verse 13, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This is this healthy perspective that Paul has. This moment that, 
when I spent time in this passage, this particular set of verses, this second half of verse 13 and, and verse 14, this, this idea of being shown mercy, this, this, this idea that, that God looked upon Paul and said, look, that's that just ignorance and unbelief, but then pouring out grace into the midst of that, that the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That this is Paul revealing what it looks like to have a healthy perspective on his past. That, that Paul can look and, 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 and take his story and look at his story and say, look, it was, it was a wreck, right? That I thought I was on the right path and I was doing the kinds of things that I thought were going to, going to make God happy and I was working really hard but working in the wrong direction. And so Paul now, as he begins to share his story, it's this thing that if we could, if we could trust by seeing Paul deal with his story. You have Paul, and he has this past, right? He's got this story. And I think there's so often in our journeys where we, we, we know we have a part of our story that we'd rather not talk about, right? That when we look back on it, and we, we look at that moment, maybe for some of us, we're right in the middle of it. And we see Paul, and he basically has his past, right? Here it is. Here's my story. And in Christ Jesus, this past that once had a grip on him that, that would have made him felt like, feel like he had no other options, that maybe for some of us we can imagine whatever it is that's our particular kind of brokenness, that, that we can think about that as having this, this control over us, this, this shame that comes up when we start to think about it. And we look at this and it's like, my past has such a firm grip on me, right? It has such a strong hold on me. And I bring it into every conversation. I bring it into every, every moment where I start to, to try and imagine God doing something. I bring this with me, and it, it brings all sorts of guilt and shame, and it makes me want to avoid it. But what a beautiful moment in this passage as Paul is talking to Timothy. It's as if he kind of takes his story, and he, he puts it on the, in the, kind of the middle of the conversation, and then he's also looking at it. And he's saying, look what, look what Christ did. Right, that we can all look at this moment where he can say, look, it's almost as if I'm also a third party here, just kind of like observing my story in a way that says, look, that was my past, but it doesn't own me like it used to. That was my past, but it doesn't have a grip on me like it used to. In some ways, what, what was my story has, that, that held on to me for a really long time, I've, in Christ Jesus, I now have handles that I can hold it, right? That I can put this out there, that I don't have to be ashamed by, that I don't have to be embarrassed by what it was, that, that it's Christ's glory in my story. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about what that would look like for him to be able to, to put that out there and say, look, Timothy, it's not even like it reflects me anymore. Like this is Christ Jesus in my story, and it's beautiful. Right? What once looked like shame, what once looked like the thing that was going to keep me from being a healthy component of a, any kind of Christian community now is just is this billboard of God at work in someone's life. What an incredible thing. And so and Paul, in some ways, is like taking this thing that would have been something he probably wanted to, to hide at one point. Now he's putting it out there and saying, now we celebrate. Now we talk about this, this Christ Jesus at work in me, Christ Jesus at work in my story. And it's this beautifully healthy perspective. And it's this beautifully inspiring reality that says, what would it look like for us to get there? Right? What would it look like for us to, to entrust our story to God in that kind of way? It's this, this exchange. It's like we hold on to our story and, we, and then we're invited in Christ Jesus to, to, to hand it over. And then he gives it back to us and it's just, it's just better. And it's something that we can now use for God's benefit, for God's glory. 
It's a healthy perspective on his past. In Christ, Paul has taken hold of his past and letting, instead of letting his past take hold of him. So this is Paul in some ways reflecting and talking about his story for his benefit. And now Paul is now in verse 15, it shifts where, where Paul starts to use his story for the benefit of others. He says this, here's a trustworthy saying that, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in to the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, right? This little parenthetical statement of, you know, in some ways it kind of in like social media, kind of the way things work now, this would be like that, that hashtag at the end, like Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, hashtag I'm the worst, right? Does that mean, it's like that new parenthetical statement that, that hashtags are for us, this idea that like, you know, and then whatever, you could have all sorts of other hashtags that, that would go along with that, but, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and then Paul says, look, we've already dealt with this. It's not even an embarrassment to me. In some ways, I'm going to say it because it's worth repeating because I think you need to hear it, Timothy, that if you're going to lead, if you're going to live, that you need to understand that it wasn't that I was, had it all figured out. It was Christ Jesus at work in me. He says, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That this is a trustworthy saying, right? That this is true. That it's worth kind of like thinking about, that, that it's worth it's worth realizing that it, that is a true statement. It's a trustworthy saying. But then Paul doesn't just stop there and saying this is a true statement. Christ Jesus came into this world to, to save sinners. He said, this is a trustworthy statement. This is a true statement that's deserving of full acceptance, addressing the reality that we can have this disconnect between saying, I know this is true. That doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. Right? I can know that this statement is true and that we can agree that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. We can, we can mentally agree with that statement without, without fully accepting it. Does that make sense? Where we can actually not let that actually like, kind of like penetrate our heart. That it's true and it's worthy of full acceptance, which means it's worth wrestling down. It's worth submitting to what does it look like in our lives to fully accept that that statement is true. Not just agree that it's true, but actually fully accept it, submit to it, wrestle with it, allow God to, to, to let it work through your life and reveal the, the areas where it, it still needs to do its work. This is a big claim, right? This is a big claim. This is the kind of statement you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make this, this big, bold claim. This is a true statement, one that, that's worth building your life on, worth reorienting your life around. It's a big claim, but it's backed up by Jesus' life, right? It's backed up by his death. It's backed up by his resurrection. It's backed up by the way that, that he has treated people. It's backed up by the way that, that he worked in Paul's life. Right? As the Spirit got a hold of, of Saul and took him on a journey that he would have never imagined as he would be then renamed Paul. And it's not just a general truth, right? This, this trustworthy statement, this, this trustworthy saying is, is not this, this, this general truth, but it's also a very personal truth as well. That Christ Jesus came to save sinners, of which now Paul says, I am the worst. And we can look at this and we can say, like, Christ Jesus came to save sinners. And I'm included, right? Me, you. It's not just a general statement. It is a general statement because it's, it's, it's true. But it's also personal, right? It's also for us. And that reality is what lets Paul tell his story differently. It's what allows Paul to say, look, I'm not even embarrassed about my story anymore. That, and in some ways, it's like, man, I can look back and say, what a jerk, right? I don't even, don't even, like, can't even imagine wanting to be around that Paul guy or that Saul guy. 
You know, like setting that out there and just approaching and dealing with his story in such a radically different kind of way, as if it's like a totally different person through Christ Jesus. Paul says this, for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might, de- might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and research, receive eternal life. In this, there is no hint of a transaction. In, in this, there is no hint of, of Paul saying, I earned this. There's no hint of Paul saying, you have to understand, I was a pretty good guy. Or you have to understand that, that I, I basically reasoned my way through this thing and that I got to a point where I think I made God pretty happy and so that life could look different for me. There is no hint in the way Paul tells his story. There's no hint of a transaction in any kind of way. It's Paul just marveling at God stepping into his story and radically transforming him from the inside out. He was shown mercy. It's this this mercy that's on a mission. He was shown immense patience. Doesn't that that give some of us some peace, right? That that Paul says, look, if my story shows anything, it shows mercy and it shows that, that God is more patient than I maybe could have ever imagined, right? That, that he, man, as much as I did to distance myself, as much as I did to mess things up, as much as I did to, to, to delay some sort of relationship with God, that Christ Jesus showed immense patience in my life. Paul's transformed life became a billboard for God to reveal himself to an unbelieving world. Right, that Paul's life, not just what Paul had to say, not just the, the things that Paul had reasoned and, and that Paul would write and all those things, but it's, those are all good. But Paul's transformed life, when, Timothy, when, when Paul's speaking to Timothy and saying, Timothy, remember this. Remember what God does. Don't forget, in some ways, maybe Paul is inviting Timothy to remember his own story in the, as he thinks about Paul's story. That Paul's transformed life became a billboard for God to reveal himself to an unbelieving world. And in verse 17, now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, I said, bookends this passage with gratitude, right? As he begins to, to think about his story, and in some ways I can just imagine, right? I'm not Paul. I don't know what Paul was thinking when he was writing this letter, but I can imagine that as, he, as he's starting to open up, as he's starting to think about, okay, how do I tell Timothy my story. God, what do, you want to, what do you want to teach through me to Timothy? He starts to think about that. It begins with gratitude as he's beginning to kind of like ramp himself up to share his story. And then he writes, and I can just imagine, right? This is just, I, I'm, I don't know that Paul did this. If I was writing something like this, before I would get to verse 17, you'd have this moment you imagine God at work in your life in a way that begins to set other people free. You can imagine that, that God is going to use your story for some kind of benefit that, that all the junk and the mess and the mistakes and all those kinds of things can, can somehow be, be used by God to impact the world around you. You'd have to have this moment of just saying, God, you are so good, right? God, you are so incredible. So you have this moment of like, that we could have stopped even this morning just saying that for, for God to reveal himself to this unbelieving world, that, so those who would believe in him and that would receive eternal life, period, but then to, to miss the part where 
where Paul starts to express his gratitude again, where he starts to worship, where he says, now to the King eternal, immortal, indivisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That Paul leverages his story to, to help Timothy see things more clearly. And in the process, Paul grows, right? We see this like outpouring of gratitude, this outpouring of worship, this outpouring of thanksgiving, because Paul is reminded as he's sharing his story, just how incredible his story actually is, not because of what he did, but because what God did. He's looking at his story in a different kind of way. Worship is rooted in gratitude. Worship is rooted in us saying, God, thank you for giving us this day. God, thank you for moving us forward. God, thank you for those moments in my story where I would rather not even deal with them. Thank you for being willing to walk with me through those, for giving me an opportunity to take what what was holding on to me, and, and now I can hold on to that in a way that allows me to, to have a little bit more control over how this thing works. And so this morning, as we talk about our stories, and this is what's so beautiful as we, as we begin this conversation, is, is this week, most of us, most of us will be gathering in small groups. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about our stories just a little bit. We're not going to make anybody tell their story, by the way. The, the structure of small groups is it's safe, I promise. We're not going like, to make you do things that are radically uncomfortable. I think God will probably do that for you. I don't think we need to do that because that's just how he works, right? Um, but as we prepare and we start to think about our stories, we start to think about the journey, we start to think about the way God gets a hold of us. There are some things that we just need to remember. And the first one is this, is that your past, that your past is not your whole story. Isn't that beautiful, Right? that your past is not your whole story, that there is no moment in your journey, there's no moment in your story that, that your story is, is complete, that it's done. That your past is not your whole story. That for Paul to be able to say, look, my story looked a certain way, but it doesn't look like that anymore. And then God's going to continue to use my, my story. That God's going to continue to shape me. I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to continue to grow. That for some of us this morning, we need to realize that when we, when we look at our stories, when we look at the mess that we've made, right, and we have to just take ownership of that and say, look, I just, I've gotten it wrong so many times. But that's not the whole story, right? For some of us this morning, that might be the one thing. If we write nothing else down that, that we think about to, to say that, that my past, my past, my past is not my whole story. And then connected to that, not on the screen, but connected with that is the fact that their past, right, talking about other people, their past is not their whole story either, right? That for other people, as we start talking about what it looks like to walk with people, as we start talking about what it looks like to, to value people, to care for people, to show love to people, to, to meet people in the way that, that God met us, say so their past is not their whole story either. I had two friends over the course, it it's been a, a few years ago, but over the course of just a few months, you know, I talked about Facebook twice today, I didn't even, I don't even like Facebook all that much, but um, I had two friends that, that sent me friend requests. You know how this happens sometimes, and you're like, oh man, I don't even know that I want to go there. Right? Do I even want to like, accept that one? Because the last time I spent time with them, that was, those were not good days, right? This is, this is not, I'm not sure. What's my, what's my feed going to look like now, right? Um, and over the course of a, just a couple months, I get, I get these two friend requests, and in both instances, I was... I was not sure that at that point that, in some ways, my surprise in getting the friend request was I was surprised that, that they were still alive, right? Just because of some of the stuff that they had walked through 
the, the, the drug addiction and, the, and just the, the mess that you know, we all have things. And it's not that what they were doing was, was like worse than other things, but it was it's the kind of stuff that you don't get to survive very long in, right? And I get these friend requests and I'm like, oh man, what's their life like now, right? And so I hit the accept button and um, in one case I then pulled up my friend's page and I see that he is now um, having had been an addict himself for many, many, many years. Um, I see him, he's got these posts over and over again where he's coming alongside families of addicts. And he goes and we called to a home where there's been an overdose and there's a family there left in the aftermath. And he comes in and supports them because he walked that road, right? That the police officers that used to haul him off to jail are the ones that are calling him to come in alongside him, or like, oh, alongside them. This other friend that sent me, a, he sent me a message almost immediately when I accepted his friend request. And um, he said, Nate, can't believe it. We're both training to be pastors, right? This is when I was in seminary. And he said, look, I went through this dark, dark road. And he talked, he just kind of laid out his story of addiction and all the kinds of things that his life had looked like. But he said, can you believe it? We both ended up in about the same place right now, right? Isn't that beautiful? And so I saw in this this, course of like a month, these two radically transformed lives where it's like so obvious that that their past, right, that my past, that, that their past, these friends of mine, that that's not their whole story, that God can get a hold of us in ways that, that we can't even imagine, right? That Paul can say, look, I was a wreck. And for some of us, we can say, yeah, but then, like, but then God used you to write most of the New Testament, right, Paul? So we can look at your story. It can't have been that bad. <laughs> but Paul's like, I was the worst, right? Of which I was the worst. So your past is not your whole story. My past is not my whole story. Their past is not their whole story. And then in Jesus, in Jesus, your story is not just your story. Does that make sense? That it's not just a story of you. That it's not just about you. That, that in Jesus, right, when, when Jesus steps into your story, it's all of a sudden just obviously and clearly not about you because now Christ is in it and it changes, right? Your story is not just your story. This is that exchange where I'm talking about with Paul where he's saying, look, this, this was my past and now it, in Christ Jesus, I can, I can put this in the middle of the conversation. It's like we can set it on the table and we can both look at it and it doesn't even affect me to, to talk about how broken it was because that's all in Christ Jesus. That story is not just my story. It's a, it's a story of Christ Jesus getting a hold of me in a powerful kind of way. That your story, in Christ Jesus, your story is not just your story. This is that exchange and it's a beautiful reality. It's the story of Jesus Christ at work. It's mercy on a mission. It's grace poured out onto us when we don't deserve it. Your story is not just your story, and our stories echo, right? Our stories echo that Paul, right, he writes this letter to Timothy, and I don't imagine that Paul thought, well, this is going to be in the Bible someday, right? That wouldn't have, it was not his thought. He's writing this letter to Timothy to encourage him, and, and then Paul's story that God, God uses that to shape generations of Christians, right? To shape generations within the movement of Christianity, to, to, to be able to see things in a radically different kind of way. We're still learning from Paul's story. 
And we need to remember, we need to remember that his story didn't look all that good when it started, okay? So we can look at this and say, well, that's Paul, right? And look, look, what, look at how God used him, and look what he said, and look what he did. And, and Paul's saying, Timothy, and now us here at Birchridge, 2,000 years later, remember, I was the worst. And I don't think that's hyperbole. He was a pretty bad guy. Remember that when my story started, or at least the beginning chapters of my story, it was a wreck, right? It's not some kind of privileged history that says, well, that's Paul. Well, yeah, but Paul had a story. Right? Paul was a wreck. And God stepped into his life and radically transformed him. Our stories, this, this story of, of Paul, this story of him investing in Timothy's, it, it starts in a pretty bad spot. It doesn't stop there, right? And that transformation that God did in Paul continues to echo today. And so this morning, we have this beautiful opportunity to allow Paul's story, right, as he unpacked it for Timothy, to now say, so what are we going to do with this? Right? If, if this has been made clear to us, if this is now something that, that we get to look at in a different kind of way, that we can think about and imagine stories having more components to it than maybe we thought before. But to, to let Paul's story help us. And the first piece is this, is that for some of us, at the beginning of this passage, Paul says that, that, that Christ strengthened him. And some of us, maybe we just need to pray for strength. Maybe we need to realize that, that what Paul's talking about is this opportunity to be strengthened by God, to say, look, I'm at the end of my capacity, right? I have no strength left. Paul says, let me give you some, some things that God does. He strengthened me, right? That, that Jesus saw more than what was. When, when his spirit stepped into my life and began to draw me to himself, that, that God saw more in me than what was. For some of us, we can't imagine that God could see that. And yet Paul says, look, this is what God does. Right? This is how God sees your story. This is how God looks at things. That, that God stepped into Paul's life, not when Paul had it all figured out, not when Paul was all cleaned up, not when Paul felt like he was ready. God stepped into Paul's life while he was still a wreck. Right? Before he was cleaned up, before he had it figured out, before he was on the right kind of path. He saw more than what was. And then there was grace and there was mercy poured out abundantly, right? Not insufficiently, not almost enough, not, not covering just certain kinds of things, but poured out abundantly, this grace and this mercy. And then this story that's marked by God's patience. For some of us, I'm sure we're infuriating to God, right? Because <laughs> I know we can be infuriating to each other sometimes, right? So I, I have to imagine that that's true, that God's like, oh, come on, Nate, are you serious? This is, like, we're still doing this. We're still going back to that same issue or whatever. Say so that God showed extraordinary patience in Paul's life. That God shows patience in our lives that, that we have not yet blown it, right? Is that, can that just be an encouragement to us this morning that that God showed extraordinary patience in Paul's life because that's who he is. And so in your life, that God is showing patience. And then Paul says that there's this trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of which Paul would say that he's the worst, of which we might say we're the worst. Paul's basically saying, you want to know what the bar, how low the bar is set for Christ Jesus saving you? 
Paul says, look, I was already the worst. You're not going to be worse than me. Maybe be as bad as me, but I'm in that low category. You don't have to worry about it. The bar is, you haven't messed up so bad that God isn't here to save you, that Christ didn't step into the world to save you. This is a true statement, and it's a statement that's worth full acceptance. For some of us this morning, maybe we haven't yet accepted that. Maybe for some of us this morning, we don't know what that kind of hope looks like, that we can hear this and we can, we can see Paul's story and we say, look, I'm so much in the middle of this. There's so much that's messed up in my life. There's so many things that, that feel so incomplete about the story that you're describing this morning. And my life doesn't reflect any of the hope on the other side of Paul's story like we just talked about. That there is a trustworthy statement. Right? This is not something that Birch Ridge Community Church has made up. This is not something that, that I'm saying because I want you to be encouraged says God speaking through Paul, his word echoing across generations saying, Christ Jesus came to save sinners, of which none of us is bad enough to not be saved. And so this morning, I'm just going to extend that invitation to you. If you haven't yet accepted that trustworthy statement, if you haven't yet wrestled that down and allowed God to work it into your life and to, and, and to begin to help you get there, I'm going to make that invitation for you this morning. It's a simple process. It's not like so many things with God, that it's God doing the work and us receiving what God has done for us. We have some helpful literature, but I'm just going to lead you through a prayer. Dear God, Dear God, I know I've sinned, and now I realize that my sin has put a separation in our relationship so that by myself, I can do nothing about it. So God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I accept what Jesus Christ did for me by dying on the cross in my place. I ask you to come into my life and to be in charge of my life and to make me the person you intended me to be. I accept your offer of a fresh start in life. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for me to have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that prayer was the cry of your heart, if you'd like to talk about that, if you'd like to, to, to understand what it looks like to fully accept that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, this trustworthy statement, I would love nothing more for, than for the chance to walk with you through this process. I would love nothing more for the chance to, to be able to spend time with you in this moment. So there's a, a, a couple things you can do. One is, there's, if, if you don't want to talk to me this morning, there's there's a check mark on that connect card that just says, I accepted or I recommitted. You can check that box and I'm going to reach out to you. We'll, we'll get some time together. If you want to catch me between services, I'd love to, to have that conversation as well. But remember, Christ Jesus, his mission was to save sinners. And you're not bad enough and your story is not too messed up for that to be true. All right? We're going to continue in worship if you'd stand with us.